0: When it comes to man, let's say, there are still people out there who believe crying is a weakness. They should be strong all the time, that showing emotion is a weakness. Talking about feeling is a weakness. Maybe you who listen to this now still think that way too? purpose of this podcast, which is to bring the real story of my friend. I want you to listen and understand. He shared his story with me, and this is his story.
1: Let me first introduce myself. Mm -hmm. I'm Akio Qureshi. I am a all the way from Sri Lanka, which is a small island under India, surrounded by the Indian Ocean. (laughs) So um, basically, let me start off by saying this is a book. It's a story that I'm going to unveil and dissect for you guys. So what I'm going to start do is basically I'm just going to go depth into what the book is. I'm going to open the book and dig into the chapters. As opposed to what we usually do, which is basically, you know, mm-hmm. look through a cover of a book. So basically, this is what it is. So if I do start, my mom and my dad, <laughs> it begins with two yes, people. Yes, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, my mom um, is a, is a born um, Canadian citizen. She is, her mom is actually a white um, Mm -hmm. woman and obviously her dad is basically a migrant from sri lanka who obviously came into canada and you know met the love (laughs) of his life and produced um the offspring which is my mom obviously but my dad on the other hand is basically a very traditional um he was well thought about his culture that he represents as an indian citizen in india so um Basically, how I came into the story is when my mom came into Sri Lanka uh, for a business <clears throat> occupation, and I think a business basis. I'm not really sure what the business <laughs> was, but obviously my dad always, um came on the same time to Sri Lanka uh, for another business, uh, trade-based thing, and they obviously met. And um, they had a one-night stand, if I would call it, um, and... <laughs> The byproduct of it was obviously me. Uh, So, um, yes, definitely. I am an accident. I mean, I didn't give them permission to give birth to me. Is it okay
0: if you've mentioned this one on the podcast?
1: It's absolutely all right. It's all right. Because what we all think is um, when Mm -hmm. we're born, it's whether we have to give, well, we don't like, we we would actually like to choose our circumstances of births. We can't do that. We would like to think, ask, tell our parents, because I told my parents once uh, when I had a very bad fight with them, I told them that I never gave you permission to give me birth in this situation. But at the end of the day, I mean, none of us actually have a choice Mm. of it, right? It's nature, it's the course of life, and that's what happens. So I was born in Sri Lanka. I'm the only one in my entire family to be born in Sri Mm -hmm. Lanka. Uh, Besides my grandpa and um, so basically I was here I was brought up here uh, until the age of four and when I was four to five I was obviously um, sent to UK. I was sent to UK because uh, to live with my grandma because my aunt lived there and my aunt just gave birth to twins. So my grandma obviously went to uh, UK to live with my aunt and take care of our twins I was sent to the UK to live with my grandma because, obviously, Sri Lanka was going through a terrible time, which was uh, going through the civil war. So there was no other choice or um, there was no other solution but to actually seek my protection and go to the UK. So when I went to the UK, I lived with my grandma there for around uh, eight to nine years uh, until she obviously passed. So when she passed, uh, passed away, I had to obviously move uh, back to my country, which is in Sri Lanka. Uh, but as of now, I do hold a dual citizenship to UK as well as Sri Lanka. So I can fly whenever I want to UK uh, as well as stay in Sri Lanka. Um, so coming into the childhood life and what the real essence of my story is, it's basically when I moved to the UK, That is where I actually really started suffering and enduring pain that I've never understood or even thought in a million years that I would actually undergo. So when I went to the UK, um, I wasn't really good with speaking English. I wasn't really good with the command of English. And I obviously um, was a brown kid because my parents were both a mix. I was a very brown kid. And, um, you know, I obviously had a lot of racism that, was, that I experienced and a lot of pain that I experienced there because I was the only brown kid in the class. I couldn't afford private school, so I had to obviously take public school. And when I attended public school there, let's just say it wasn't a Disney uh, movie lifestyle. It was an absolutely traumatizing experience there because I suffered an extreme amount of racism at a very young age, at the age of five to six, which is absolutely ridiculous to even think, even at this time when I think about it, it's absolutely crazy to actually think that I actually went through this. And
0: when... Did you live with your parents there or just...
1: I did not... Uh, so, my parents actually did not come along with me to the UK mm-hmm. because they had to take care of business in Sri Lanka. So, obviously, they retained in the country while I was there throughout my entire um, childhood and my so upbringing there.
0: You live with your grandma only?
1: My grandma and my aunt. So, my oh. aunt gave birth to twins at the time. Oh, okay. And obviously, um, you know, she was very busy with them. So, I was basically taken, I mean, I was in public school, and um, I was really interested in sports, but when I joined sports, I wasn't necessarily able to um, really participate in it and do much because I was bullied. Mm -hmm. And just on the base of my skin, just on the base of, of me being a South Asian kid, a mixed kid... I was bullied on that a sense. And mm-hmm. obviously, um, when I, there was an instance where I used to constantly get bullied, not, phys- not verbally, but physically. And I used to come back home with a bruised face and blood all over splattered on my face because I got beat that bad. Mm-hmm. And obviously,
0: what did your uh, grandmother did Yes. Yeah,
1: so when I was in Sri Lanka, w- when I was, when I came back home, my grandma obviously could not, I mean, she couldn't do much. So she just thought, okay, this is what your consequences are uh, of something that I wasn't supposed to experience, but that is what it was at the end of the day. And I had to stop going to sports uh, because it was a huge risk to my life. And I wasn't able to really participate in sports or do much there because... Of the excessive bullying that I experienced. And that is a part of school as to why I used to get bullied because of the skin color of my skin. I used to get, um, I wasn't able to stay in school for much longer. As soon as I finished school, I had to come back running home because I was afraid that uh, some of the guys there, I mean, school kids, yeah. would actually take yeah. me and bully me, hit me, beat me, because it really leaves a trauma in your in your skull. And mind you, I was young at the time, and these are kids that are in intermediate uh, levels of class. So they were very older, they were teenagers, uh, beating me because of the colour of my skin. And obviously, um, there was a time where two of the kids actually took, held me from my leg and placed me nearly, putting my head into a tub of the toilet water. Mm-hmm. So... It was really traumatic, the school life there was really traumatic uh, because of the colour of my skin. The life back home uh, with my grandma and aunt wasn't quite um, happy, wasn't quite a very interesting, um, a very securing um, family for me to actually go back to because uh, my grandma is a very white lady and she didn't necessarily like the choices that my mom made. So she did not like um, the fact that I was biracial. So I was a biracial child. It is not my fault. Mm-hmm. It is not my fault that I was in an know. accident. It is completely not my fault. But um, the circumstances is that my grandma obviously did not uh, like it. And she obviously expressed it very clearly with her actions and uh her guidance as she as I grew up with her, and so did my aunt. So, my grandma prioritized at all times her grandchildren that came out of uh, my aunt, because they were fully white, um, uh, they were white children, and I was obviously a biracial child. And basically, um, I was biracial, my grandma didn't necessarily treat me as well because of my skin, and um, let's just say I have actually been beaten and abused by my grandma. I there were times where I actually um, had my. Are you I'm okay? Good. It's alright. <laughs> Thank you. Basically, uh, my grandma did not give me to eat. She kept me starved for quite a while because I committed an error. I committed mistakes as a child i'm supposed to commit mis- mistakes i'm supposed to understand and learn from those mistakes, but my circumstances wasn't that of that sort I wasn't able to make mistakes because if I made a silly mistake, I used to get punished I used to get abused by my grandma i wasn't I was just treated as a stranger, and I lacked that love I lacked that that security that a family should have. I did not have that. And I used to have a call on and off with my parents um, all the way from such a big distance, all the way from UK to Sri Lanka. Each, every weekend, I used to have a call, but that call didn't necessarily last much longer because my mom didn't necessarily think I was a good, I I was, you know, a child That was her responsibility. She didn't necessarily, I mean, she didn't like the aspect either. She didn't necessarily treat me as well. I didn't get that secure, that security that a child wants when they grow from a family. I didn't get that love that a child always seeks from a family. I didn't get it from my grandma, from my friends at school, from anyone. I didn't get that from anyone. And it was really
0: hard. Did you tell? Did you tell your parents about it?
1: About the abuse that my grandma did? Of course I did. Of course yeah, I did. Yeah. But at the end, my mum was like, um, she didn't believe me because she took her mom's side over mine. She said, I mean, she's your grandma, and she's mm-hmm. the adult there, so she's taking care of you. Respect it. And I had no choice. I had no no way of an escape. I mean, I was, okay, so there was once a time where um, I, there was a Nutella jar, a Nutella jar that was placed there. And I obviously craved for Nutella, just like any child would for chocolate. And I opened the jar and I took a, a scoop from my finger, my index finger, and I consumed it and I closed it and I kept it there. Obviously, my... Grandma saw that and so did my aunt. My aunt saw that and she obviously hinted that I did it. Um and she told my grandma about it. And my grandma kept me in a room um for exactly an entire day, not you know, giving me two just because I, of that, that yeah Nutella. that's just one of the experiences, it's one of the mistakes that I've actually committed. And I obviously before I was put into a room I was I was abused. I was hit. I was physically, I was hit. And when she hit me, yeah, I was. And when she hit me, there used to be scars on the back. I mean, like you can full on see the full fledged hand that she's whacked me over the back. And basically these are small things that which are not supposed to be considered to be mistakes. It's supposed to be, I mean, a thing that a child would actually want to Try when they're a kid but i wasn't able to make those tiny little errors because simply because i was mistreated i wasn't necessarily treated a part of them a part of their family i wasn't treated that way i was just it was it, it was an experience for me that was not able to escape from my mind it's always in me it pretty much defines who i am today and I mean, it was a really tra- traumatizing childhood for me. It was not, let's say, it wasn't a Disney childhood for me, a Disney movie childhood for me. It was very traumatizing. It was, in, it was a childhood that I wasn't supposed to or deserved to live or experience.
0: No, you don't deserve that,
1: of course. Thank you so much. And that actually
0: <sighs>
1: means... It's really it is, heartbreaking, it you know. And I'm trying to hold myself really hard. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah,
0: but, yeah <sighs> I know. Me too. I feel like um, you have a water near you. You can drink that first and then we can continue.
1: <sighs> it's all right. It's all right.
0: No, it's fine. It's totally fine to cry. It's not an easy journey, you know. It's really... It's really heartbreaking, it's really sad. Take your time, it's really fine. I'm so proud of you. I want you to know that. I want the world to know that. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's, fine. it's
1: really hard to actually think about all of that because it just comes like a cycle into your mind. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. No. Um, so fine. basically, um, that was one of the... one of...
0: If you don't want to continue, then... Oh, no,
1: that's all right. That's all right. It's... Um, So basically, that was one of the mistakes that I committed, and I was punished for it in that manner. And basically, that used to continue for long periods of time, and the only two lives that I actually had was school and a home, and I couldn't necessarily find happiness in either way. It wasn't wasn't there, and I was a child. It was really hard for me, but... Mm -hmm when i was obviously um when i came to a life where i was able to come um so when my grandma passed basically um i was about to do my ordinary level but i was young and i wasn't able to basically do much i couldn't necessarily um uh, basically come legally into the country because because of certain issues. So basically, um, I had to come back to Sri Lanka uh, because my grandma was, my grandma passed and she was my legal guardian. And I couldn't mm-hmm. stay there with my aunt, so I had to come back to Sri Lanka. And when I came to Sri Lanka, <laughs> let's just say it, everything just turned into something that was way worse because um, it wasn't a really good experience when I came to Sri Lanka because I was a person when I came to Sri Lanka I wasn't different I was a person that shared the same color of the skin that every single bystander walked on the street but I was Mm -hmm. different internally the way I my personality was different and the way I spoke was different it was completely different so um, that did not work well or mix well with society and, obviously, the bullying just came right back at me, barking on me. I mean, when I started uni- uh, school, I was obviously bullied and made fun of. I was a, joking. I, I was just a joker there because I used to be this person with you know, the same coloured skin that a- each and every single person there shared. But I had this accent. I had this personality. I had this... Um, perception, the way I presented myself, it was different. And they called it, according to Sri Lanka, he was being fake. I quote fake. And they wanted me to be normal, be original. I mean, that was who I was. That's my question as well, Kiki. That is exactly my question. But then I understood eventually when I grew the fact that it's because they themselves don't like change. That is human nature. Humans, in no matter what in a society they don't necessarily accept change, even if they consider accepting change, it takes a lot of time for them to accept change, but until that they're going to buck, they're going to shoot fire at you, they're going to shoot as much as shoot at you as much as they can uh, in order to bring you down to their level, make you i mean that's that's human nature, and you can't change anything about it. So, I've been reverting towards the story, and let's just come back because I've just had an emotional roller coaster at the moment. I'm really sorry I <laughs> didn't ex- ex- expect no, this. No, no,
0: don't be. No, it's fine. So,
1: coming back to when I came to Sri Lanka, I obviously experienced a lot of bullying because of the way I presented myself, my personality, the way I spoke, um, and the way I commanded different situations. So, when I obviously got through O levels and A levels, um, I started university. When I was there, I was before that. So when I was doing my O levels, A levels, when I was um, in the UK, I got very obese. I was very obese. I was very overweight. I was very fat, unhealthy. Let's just put into terms, ugly. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, but I was I mean that's what I thought And uh, when I didn't even want to look at myself in the mirror because I was that disgusted by myself and I was bullied for who I was and the way I looked uh, because I was overweight in the university I mean when I came out of um, for example I came out of a lecture and I come out and the entire badge basically locates themselves around me and sort of you know says verbal abusive language to me right that are very sharp as you know knives that just pierce right through me and then basically it came to a point where it became physical where it was very dangerous for me and had i experienced i knew the danger of it because i knew what i've been in that position before as well and basically i had to obviously come to uh, the management and tell them about this. And when i told them about this they obviously had they couldn't do anything about it either because it's a private
0: how did they respond yeah so they
1: said um their only solution there was basically to ask me to as soon as they finished as soon as i finished lectures for me to come straight into uh their premises their workplace and help them out do something there and then go back to your class whenever you have class. So that was the routine for me to follow because it was dangerous for my life as well because it was physical bullying. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the entire badge, right? So the university themselves can't necessarily fire or, you know, suspend the entire badge because that's going to affect their business as well, right? So because Mm -hmm. of that, they obviously had to give me uh, an option where I can finish lectures and run straight into uh the office the student affairs office and by the time i was there i obviously got to know a lot of the um the university manage- managers the management the employees i got to really understand them i became really good friends with them and i obviously was given an internship there for, the, for me to actually work there uh, on a part-time basis you know help them out and then go go back to lectures and i really got to know them and then what happened was my the, the employees there, because I was the first kid there that actually started working there, and they actually really got to know the kid. And, you know, they obviously gave me so many doors. They just opened so many doors for me in front. I had a very, very, very bad relationship with my mom and dad, because I didn't necessarily grow up with them. And... You know, they didn't necessarily understand what I went through, what I experienced. I don't necessarily talk to my mum. I don't have a really good relationship with her. I spoke to... Mm -hmm. I do speak on and off with my dad, but it is not very, um, you know, very... It's not a really original, raw relationship that a son would have with his father. And basically, there was a time where I started slm UN, i started club events and then i used to get a lot busy and i came back home very late um this was at around you know 10 10 pm and when i came back home i obviously got um slapped by my father for the first time and i didn't expect that from the two individuals that i did not want that from or i thought i could have felt secure i could have felt that passion and love that a child is supposed to experience and have. But I got, I was slapped by my father. More than the, it didn't necessarily pain me, but it hurt me straight in my heart because I didn't expect that from my father. I did not expect it from him because he had no right to do that to me. No right, any, any, un, any, he had no right under any circumstances at all. And basically what happened was, um, you know, he slapped me and he told me not to come back home again later because he's going to close the gates. And it really led to a huge fight where I, you know, had a really bad dispute and I just expressed every single thought that I had trapped inside me since I was young. I just expressed it out to my father and my mom at that day. It was a really bad experience bad, bad situation and experience that I had with them. It was a really bad fight. But at the end of the day, um, that obviously led uh, me to go back to who I was, a lone person in a bubble, basically. And um, I didn't necessarily find the love or passion from them. And um, I obviously, you know, came out I I had this experience with them. I didn't talk to my mum. I didn't have a good relationship since then. I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. There was no good mutual understanding between us. And um, yeah, so basically that night was really hard on me because um, certain things came out that my mum actually told me as well, telling me that I was an accident, telling me she didn't want me, telling me that I was not supposed to be alive and those are words that I'm not mm, supposed so, to hear under any circumstances. Mm, and so did my dad.
0: So, what did it actually feel like for you? Because um, I know it's a bit harder for men to talk about their feelings. Like, did you ever express your emotions or you just buried it inside of you? or?
1: Um, I know I get that me being a guy... Um, obviously, I didn't basically experience, I didn't necessarily express it or bundle it up or anything of that sort. But I took all that pain and I wanted to release it because I was done. I was down on life that day. I was just done, and I'm, I, I committed suicide I attempted committing suicide that day in the night, and I failed at it. I'm not going to go to the nitty-gritty of how I what I did and tried. But I did cut mm-hmm. myself uh, because I wanted to see if I felt pain. I didn't feel pain, and um, you know what? I'm actually I'm actually going to express this. I'm going to tell you what how I what I did in the in terms of how I attempted suicide.
0: If you are not comfortable of telling that's all right stories, Kiki, that's all right. Totally I think
1: wild. I have to. I have it's to ex- really express it because it's it's sort of it it's actually helping me as well. Although I am getting emotional, it's really helping me. And yeah. I obviously the next day I couldn't bear this pain that was in me that I actually went to a high building and I uh, jumped. No. And when I jumped mm. um this a random stranger was actually the security guy. He held my hand and I was hanging from the top of a building with one hand held by another person that I'd never met before. And I didn't feel anything at that time. I just didn't feel anything. He was trying to pull me back up, calling out and yelling, telling me what are you doing? Come back up. I didn't even know the stranger. I just didn't hear anything. I didn't feel anything. I didn't, I didn't know what. I was doing all I knew. I just wanted to end this pain, end this life, because I wasn't deserving. This was a mistake that I was alive. This was a mistake. Um. And and soon, all I knew was there was another stranger who came, pulled me up, and I was there, bawling out. I was crying because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was doing And. Sorry. And next thing I knew, I was in a hospital. And that's where I knew I had to change. I had to change. Because this wasn't going to do anything for me. I had to change my mindset. I had to believe in myself. I had to do something that was going to bring my life to something that was good and not just pain and. Suffering that is just going to lead to another traumatic, another, another end to my life. This is, I knew that was a time that I had to change myself. And I changed my mindset into believing that, believing in myself, not giving up on myself. And I knew at that moment that all I had in this world was me, myself, and I. That is all I had in this world. And that was enough for me. That was actually enough for me. Because I knew all I had was me. All my life, I've just had me. And I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this life. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in to my life. Give in to the pain and the sorrow. I'm not going to give give up. I'm just not going to give up on my life.
0: Yeah. It's actually really nice to hear that words coming from you. Because it it was really heartbreaking. And it was really... um, It was a sad experience that I think no one would ever deserve to have that kind of story. <laughs> um sorry. I I'm know.
1: really sorry. This is actually being No, no. No. No, really
0: no. no, no, no. It was um I hope that every audience who would listen to this, um, maybe it would really help for the people who are societal or um Simply comforting them if they are feeling at the same, the same thing like what you did, and I hope they didn't do it, and they would not do it. Yes. So, um, what stops you? I mean, what's the strategy you did to overcome and get over that?
1: From all of that, the main strategies that I implemented was to believe in yourself, because no one on planet Earth is going to mm-hmm. believe in you but yourself that. all you have is you yourself and yourself only and the second most key thing is never give up on yourself never give never. up on yourself and those are the two main things that i th- that has really helped me and has given me a sense of purpose in life and really brought happiness into my life
0: mm-hmm. And that, do you have like we, a, you yeah. be a person, you...
1: <laughs> yes, and it, the most important curve that happened in my life uh, that gave a curve of positivity from all the negative things that I've experienced is my soulmate, and she is an absolutely extraordinary person that I've met, that is completely out of this world. And I'm so happy and glad that she's in my life. She's four years much older than me. And she really you know, helped me. She, she defended me. She was the first person that defended me for who I was. She accepted me for who I was. And she encouraged me to do more, do, do things. And this just changed my perception. This just changed and reverted me and kept me busy i started traveling with her down uh, around the island around the world to be quite Mm -hmm. honest um i mean she encouraged me to go to basoba moon which is this is where kiki comes in play because um (laughs) she made honestly kiki and not even kidding you just made this experience such a blessful amazing experience for me and that was the first time I actually traveled alone to a different country doing something with a purpose really (laughs) (laughs) and I'm really thankful because you just made that experience such an amazing experience to keep in my life keep my portfolio of experiences that are positive and happy (laughs) and other than that, so you start
0: traveling.
1: This is where I started doing uh, Bosova. So how I came into Bosova was basically the university, mm-hmm. because I had a very tight relationship with the university. Um, they got in contact with SLMUN, which is Sri Lankan Model the United Nations. And they wanted me, they nominated me uh, on, a, on a paid experience for me to actually go to Bosova and experienced that and, you know, represent Sri Lanka. And it was a huge wow, experience. And so cool. And from there on, um, I was obviously nominated directly to go participate in the French, uh, United Nations and all of that. And it was an absolutely an amazing, it was honestly amazing because for me, I never in a million years thought that this is what my life was. And now this has changed into something purposeful. I got the opportunity from the university because I transferred to France uh, from Sri Lanka. I transferred to France to continue the uh, last two years of my uh, Mm. degree. And when I was there, I actually worked. I was given the opportunity by the university again to do corporate events and host these events. And I was this brown kid who was... (laughs) Bullied being who I was, and I. Here I am. Look at you and now. Exactly.
0: So <laughs> where is. are you now? Are you in France or in Sri Lanka?
1: Right now, uh, right now, I'm in Sri Lanka because as soon as I finished my degree in uh, France, I came back to Sri Lanka and I got the opportunity to work. At the moment.
0: That's really cool. That's how people say, um, "Spring day is coming," you know. After. after the winter season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah,
1: what happened after
0: that? I mean, what is the new path for you?
1: So after that, what happened was I obviously came to Sri Lanka. And when I came to Sri Lanka, um, because of this amazing portfolio that I have, um, Red Bull offered me a job. Mm -hmm. And I'm right now working for Red Bull, and the most incredible, amazing thing about this is the fact that I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing. I absolutely love this job. And
0: what do you do? Why I love this? What j- do you do there?
1: Yeah. Why I love this job is because one, um, it's a team of twelve people only, and it's a global brand, and I'm I'm part of this global brand. And I'm doing such an important role. I do marketing there. So I'm a marketeer at uh, Red Bull at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I am looking forward to do so much more. But the most amazing thing is I get to do so many big events that I held in Sri Lanka. Have meetings with international people that are spo- sportsmen and so many incredible people. And... This is just absolutely amazing. I absolutely love coming to work every single I day. I love to no hear jokes. that.
0: It's so, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like you are now in a, in a position happy. that, yeah, mm-hmm. you are happier. Are you happy?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> Simply put, the answer to your question is I am happy. I'm definitely happy. Yes. And I, I know there's more happiness to come. Yeah and I'm finding I'm still finding that purpose that real purpose that I've actually been here for Mm -hmm. the real purpose I've experienced all those traumatic experiences in my life I know okay I know there's a bit of time issue that's going on here but I want to add this yeah it's fine every every single person out there I'm not the only person that is going through something traumatic in their lives. Every single person goes through something or the other that is traumatic and unfair, uh, unjustful in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they feel sorry for themselves. They feel sympathetic for themselves. That is where I was once upon a time in my life. And the most important thing that every single person that is listening to this conversation should know is that You need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Forgive the people that did those damaging, traumatic things to you.
0: Speaking of um, forgiving, did you forgive them? Like, did you, the the people who hurt you in the past, did you forgive them?
1: Let me shoot a question at you first, Kiki. What? Have you forgiven someone in your life?
0: Yes, of course.
1: How was the feeling after that, after you've forgiven this person? How was that feeling?
0: The feeling is great. Like, um, here's the thing about forgiving. Like, forgiveness um, for me. Recently, I also um, follow the people that I love in social media and it's it just like the words see say it about well, the words about forgiveness is really cool and I want to say it in here. Forgiveness is not just like that one moment in your life. Like sometimes um, some things that you think you forgave now, it will keep on you in next year or ten years. But after that, you have to forgive again because it really is not easy forgiving someone before, like, uh, before that person. How do how do we say in English Um, apologizing to you first? You giving yourself a peace that yourself deserves. So it's really, it's really not easy to do that. And not a lot of people were able to do that, but I think that's what forgiveness means for me. And I think it's really, it's really beautiful when I read that, when I heard that word. So <laughs> what about you?
1: I absolutely agree with that, Kiki. Like a one, 100% I just agree with that because the first thing that I did from coming out of this is basically forgiving the people that have actually done wrong, the people that have damaged, that have caused so much damage to my life, you have to forgive them, because mm. they are not going to do anything. They're not going to come to you, or they're, they're going to feel guilty. But they're not. That, they're, they're not. That apology might mm. not necessarily help you mm, in your life. That's right. It's what not going to help you.
0: What they did is in the reflections of who they are, not for who you are. I mean,
1: exactly.
0: I. I I saw lots of people who have like a anger in their heart. And of course we all do. And they keep saying, I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to do that. But the more we feel that inside our heart, it's just going to, you know, it's not going to bring peace. We're just going to keep the hatred and we're not going to move on with our life. It's really oh. difficult. It's really is difficult about talking about forgiving you know because it's not everyone could ever do that i'm still struggling but as i say it's not like once in a lifetime we have to forgive again and again until you know until it's really healing
1: (laughs) exactly because life is really short life Mm -hmm. is very short and we've got to understand that we can't just go with the pain because it is not for them, it is for you it yes, is for your heart it's for it's us. your mind
0: exactly mm-hmm. and, it's there, your are, mind and heart. there are also people actually they are regret for the things that they did, but they're mm-hmm. just too shameful like they're really shy to apologizing for you know exactly it's really hard to put that words like I'm sorry, I made a mistake it's really hard for mm-hmm. certain people, but you know if we can if we can say that if we made a mistake to somebody, it might be really helpful, and it might be really, it might be really easy to your own life too.
1: Exactly, right? Hundred <laughs> percent, I agree, Kiki. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing I have to touch is ba- is basically, um, I think a lot of people actually knew that mental health is something that is really important, mm-hmm. and it's a mm-hmm. clinical condition is when we hit um corona and all of us went into quarantine
0: we saw it everywhere in social media myself self-love what is it but if we truly understand what it what it's like to forgiving ourselves to give space for ourselves it's really important
1: absolutely agree with that kiki i'm clinically diagnosed with depression and it is very episodial so it is very dangerous because, I mean, it is out of my control. It's involuntary. The, you might see something that is similar to whatever you've had a traumatic experience to, and it all revolves around that. And you have sudden moments flashing on your, on your forehead, like on your head. And then you go completely depressive. So I know a lot of people out there. Is going through the same thing. I know a lot of people are going through the same thing.
0: What would you suggest for them? I mean, seeking professional help, maybe really help for them or anything?
1: Clinically, yes, it does help. Professionally seeking help, it 100% helps because it helped me. But Mm -hmm. that is only 30 to 40%. And the rest of the 60% comes out of you. You've got to have a curve. You've got to change your mindset Mm -hmm. you've got to have something
0: if it's not coming from the inside first it wouldn't be exactly Mm -hmm.
1: so that is i think Mm -hmm.
0: what about music does music help you is music help you
1: music is a really good distraction it is a really good distraction so i listen to very calm soothing music because it keeps me calm Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day what I personally think the best thing that anyone at this point perhaps is going through that or whatever it is is to find someone find someone and just express every single ounce of what you feel and what you're going through just express it to someone
0: like what you do right now (laughs) exactly
1: and I trust me I did tear throughout the entire um, conversation but it was a relief it was, it was mm, tears of glad. joy and happiness. The fact that I've actually gone through all of that and I'm here to having a conversation about all of that on your platform, Kiki, it's just absolutely incredible. Honestly, it's just unexpressible. No, you are.
0: <laughs> no, you are. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's really beautiful to listen to that process but it also, I'm not going to lie, I'm crying a bit. <laughs> I get emotional because, you know, um, it was really hard. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe sharing from your personal experience might be help. I mean, we are a social person. We couldn't handle it by ourselves if we are having a problem. Mm. Maybe it's really good if we have you know, if you have a real friends, not much like one friend is enough to talk about your problems. Yeah. For my audience who listen to this, um, it's really important to speak yourself, telling about your story. Seek help, professional help, everything that might helping you. Maybe like kill listen to the TED Talks and the music and just everything. Everything might help for you, so. Moving to the last questions. (laughs) So, um, what's the message that you would tell to the world?
1: Okay, so, um, again, as I said before, no matter what, I've been in your possession. And the most... Okay, so having this conversation, I agree to this conversation with Kiki. is because I knew that they... I know that there's so many other people that are going through the same thing that I've gone through. And I know that they, they're in very depressive states. They've not still come out of that. They've not transitioned uh, or had that curve out of that negative experiences that they're having. And sharing this story, sharing what I've gone through and what I've done, I know, and if it even if it helps one person out there, that is enough. Because, I mean, all that matters is that that person would actually know that someone else is actually going through the same thing, has gone through the same thing and actually come out of it, out of that negativity, out of that pain, that sorrow that they feel. I mean, that is enough. That is enough for me because I know the fact that I'm actually helping someone and that in itself gives me a sense of purpose because know that every single thing that you go through in life, every single experience that is negative or positive in your life, you're experiencing it for a purpose. Know that. For example, if I derive a metaphor, everyone can't be doctors. Who is going to go into NASA? Who is going to be an astronaut? I mean, it's going to be boring. So you have to know mm-hmm. that every single person is different. It's a salad bowl. And if you're going through mm-hmm. something very dark, if you are experiencing that dark moment, that, that end of what you want to end your life, you, you're done with life, know that... There is, there, is going to be, there is going to be light on the end. There is definitely going to be light on the end. But at the end of the day, that to see that light, it's on you. You've got to make change by yourself. You've got to do it by yourself. Because all you have is you, yourself, and only yourself. No one else is going to help you. No one else is going to be there for you.
0: Okay. What a beautiful message coming from you. So... All I want to say is, Akil, I'm I'm so proud of you. Um, thank you for being strong. You are you are an amazing person. So do not forget that. <laughs>
1: that actually means quite a lot to me. Thank you so much.
0: I'm a, actually I'm a sensitive person, and I think and feel things very deeply. And it means like it really means a lot to me that. You are telling me this story. You open ups about your story. And I know you don't do this for everyone. I have
1: not. (laughs) And this is the first time I've done a podcast as well.
0: Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Good night. (laughs) There's a good line in a movie I watched last night. And it says... If you can't stop the rain, stay in the rain together. <laughs> I sometimes think that my life is so difficult, but not after I try to listen to people's story. It makes me feel good. Not because they are struggling more than me or their problem is bigger than mine, but it's more to uh a... ah, I'm not the only one here. It is a tough life to live, so if you are tired now, please take a rest for a while. Every person out there, no matter how tough they seem, has a story that they are hiding from you. You just never, ever know. So never assume Or at least try not to